All right. Well, good morning, everyone. I wanted to show that video just a little bit because we're starting a new series that we're calling Legacy. And, and this kind of gives you a little picture of the DNA of who we are as a church. And when you think about it, the role that we play here as a church is to make a difference for eternity. That's, that is why we exist as a church body here in the Lake Travis area. And I want to suggest to you that's also why you exist. You exist to make a difference. There is, there is value to your life. There is significance to your life. And I believe there's something inside of every one of us. We talked about a little bit in our purpose series. But I think there's something inside of every one of us that wants to make a lasting difference. I think there's something inside of us that wants to change the trajectory of our lives. That there's something in us that wants to, to change even the definition of our family. Maybe your family was a certain way growing up and you want to change the meaning of that name, of your family name, that you want it to have a different meaning. In other words, you want to create this godly legacy that you want to leave behind. Let me give you a definition of legacy. It means this. Legacy is something such as tradition or problem that exists as a result of something that happened in the past or it's something that someone has achieved that continues to exist after they stop working or they die. Now, I want you to think about that because it's interesting the different verbiage that's used in the definition of legacy because legacy can be positive or negative, which means you are going to leave a legacy. Some way, somehow, you will leave a legacy. The question is, what do you want your legacy to be? When your life is finished, what do you want your legacy to look like? I want to read you four different obituaries from the New York Times. This first one is Rosa Parks. A black seamstress whose refusal to relinquish her seat to a white man on the city bus in Montgomery, Alabama, almost 50 years ago, grew into a mythic event that helped touch off, touch off the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 1960s, died yesterday at her home in Detroit. She was 92 years old. How many of you remember Rosa Parks? Here's another one. Mother Teresa, hope of the despairing, dies at 87. September 6, 1997. Mother Teresa, the Roman Catholic nun, who won the 1979 Nobel Peace Prize for her work among the poorest of the world's poor, died yesterday in Calcutta, India, where she had lived since her work with the destitute began five decades ago. She was 87. How many of you remember Mother Teresa? Carrie Fisher, an actress, author, screenwriter. Ms. Fisher brought a rare combination of nerve, grit, and hopefulness to her most indelible role as Princess Leia, in the Star Wars movie franchise, died on Tuesday morning. She was 60. How many remember Carrie Fisher? And then here's one more. John Glenn died on December 8, 2016, at the age of 95. A freckled-faced son of Ohio, Mr. Glenn was hailed as the national hero and a symbol of the space age as the first American to orbit Earth, then became a national political figure for 25 years in the Senate. How many remember John Glenn? Having to reach back a little bit further in age, right? But I want you to think about these four different people. This were part of their obituaries that were in the New York Times. And so think about this. Think about Carrie Fisher. Because Carrie Fisher stumbled into this role of Princess Leia. But if you know anything about her life story, this always followed her to the point that it actually created a lot of heartache because that was really the only role that she then played. John Glenn, on the other hand, used his moment in space to make a bunch of decisions that eventually made him into a lifetime of politics, of faithful um, public service here in the United States. Mother Teresa, she never had that one moment. 
But her life is defined by decision after decision where she laid her life down for the poorest of the poor. And as a result, she became known as a worldwide icon. And then Rosa Parks, she never really sought fame. And I don't think she ever realized that that one moment that she had, that simple act, would define an entire movement. So think about the, the similarities, but as well as the differences of these four figures, because legacy looks different for every one of us. Your, your life is going to have a legacy, but it may not look like any of these four, but nevertheless, you will have a legacy, but the reality is you're going to have to be ready for it, because it can happen in a moment, or it can happen in a lifetime of faithful decisions that you make. I want you to look at how the psalmist describes the legacy in Psalms 112. Look at this and starting in verse 5. It says, Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely. Now notice what he's describing here. Notice that it says, Good will come to him. Good will come to him who is what? Generous and lends freely. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely. And so that means that I need to learn how to not keep everything that comes into my life just for myself. I need to learn how to give my life away that actually makes a difference. But not only in my generosity, but also in the way I live. Look at the next phrase. Who conducts his affairs with justice. In other words, he leads his life in such a way that's intentional, that's making a difference. And then look at the next verse, verse 6. Surely he will never be shaken. Now this is really interesting. Because the psalmist is describing for us actually a formula for us never to be shaken. Now here's the thing. You can't control shaking that happens around you. But you can't control whether or not you will be shaken. Did you hear me? You can't control the shaking around. There's so much shaking that's happening in our world today. There's so much chaos that's happening in the world today. I mean, I just think about my kids and my grandkids and what's going on in the world and how their lives are going to be different than my life because of all the tumultuous things that are... You can't control that there's shaking that's happening around you, but you can remain unshaken, which means if you don't find out what your life is really about... If you don't define what you're on this planet for and why you are here, what difference you are going to make and what you're going to do intentionally, if you don't do that, then your problems will define your life. Oh, did you hear me? I don't think so. If you don't figure this thing out, if you don't figure what your purpose is, if you don't live your life, not just for yourself, but to actually live your life to make a difference, then your problems will define your life. There's got to be something bigger than your problems. But then look at the end of the verse. It says, a righteous man will be remembered forever. So he goes, that's how we need to learn to live our lives. We need to learn to live our lives where our lives live on. And that's what legacy is all about. Legacy is where my life lives on. Legacy is where I'm living beyond myself. And so here in Psalms 12, 112, um, God's showing us exactly how to do this where I'm giving to something that will outlive me. I'm giving to something that's going to outlive me. In other words, I'm going to find a church. I'm going to find a cause that I can give my life to. And when I talk about giving, I'm not just talking about money because you have been given so much. You have talents. You have gifts. You have resources. You have skills. You have ideas. 
You have been given so much stuff, and you need to learn how to give it in a way that will outlive you, where everything about your life is not just about what you consume and what you use up, but you actually give your life away. But not only am I giving, because I'm also living in such a way where my life outlives me. Because here's the goal, folks. The goal is not for you to live forever. I know that might seem just basic, but I feel like I need to say it. Because I think for so many of us, we kind of live our lives thinking, I'm going to live forever. You don't think about how short your life is. And so I think I need to say it. You're not going to live forever, folks. This life is but a whisper, and maybe you're given 70, 80, 90, 100 years, but then it's still going to end. At some point, these bodies of ours are going to give up. And aren't you glad you came to church for some good news? <laughs> but I think I need to say it because I think for so many of us, we live our life kind of with this attitude that my life's just going to live forever. And as a result, we don't understand the importance of this moment. But listen, folks, the goal is not for you to live forever. The goal is actually for you to leave something behind that will last forever. And so that's what I think this legacy series is all about. It's when we start living our lives beyond ourselves. Because when you do that, that's when your problems are solved. Listen to me. When you start living your life beyond yourself, that's when your problems are solved. Not so much where your problems disappear. You're going to always have problems. Jesus himself said in this world you're going to have difficulty. So that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about here is that, that your, your problems don't define you anymore. And some of you, your problems have become so big in your life that they're overwhelming you and they're messing you up. Problems with your relationships, problems in your finances, problems with your jobs, problems with your, your family here. The problems are the biggest thing in your life. But listen, folks, the key here is not so much for your problems to disappear. The key for you is, is that you actually have something bigger in your life than your problems. I'm telling you, the shift and the change that will happen in your soul when you have something bigger in your life than just the problems that you face. Now, let me tell you why I think this is so important. Because my role here as your pastor is to be a shepherd, in other words, I'm, I'm supposed to try to help you navigate through all the different aspects of life. And when you think about there are two parts to your life. There's the part that you're living right here and right now here on this earth. But there's also the part where you're going to live in eternity. There's always two parts to our life. Never forget this. And the part that you live here on earth, again, it's gonna, you're going to live here 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years. But it will come to an end at some point. But the part of you that's going to last forever is the part that's in eternity. The part that's here in this world is just that fast. It's just a blink in an eye comparison, in comparison to the part that you'll spend in eternity. Look at this in Romans chapter 14, verse 10. It says, You then, why do you judge your brother, or why do you look down on your brother? In other words, why are you spending so much time thinking about others? Why are you so consumed with what others are doing and not doing. In other words, Apostle Paul says, stop it. <laughs> Get your focus off of others and start paying attention to your own life because, look at this phrase, for we will all stand before the God's judgment seat. See, one day you're going to stand before God. You're going to stand before him. You're going to have your day in court. And in that moment, you're going to have to give account for how you lived this life. Verse 11. 
It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess to God. And so when that moment happens, it's pretty important that you're on the right team. You hear me? It's pretty important at that point when you stand before God that you're on the right team here. Verse 12, so then each of us will give an account to himself to God. Now, how many of you, when you're in school or maybe you're still in school, how many enjoy taking tests? Let me see your hand. Those of you who enjoy taking tests, not a single one. Leanne is the only one in this room <laughs> that like taking tests. How many hated taking tests? Okay, that's everybody else, right? How many just won't ever raise your hand in it, no matter what I ask? Okay, there we go. Well, I mean, think about this, because wouldn't you have loved it when you were having to take tests? Wouldn't you have loved it if somebody would have given you the test questions and the answers ahead of time? Come on, wouldn't that have been great? I, I was talking with Landon a, a couple weeks ago, and he was, he was telling me that he, he's taking some engineering classes in, at college, and one of his engineering classes, um, they have this online portal, and he found... Um, the previous year's test online on, on that portal. And so he thought that the professor just left it up there to show them um, the types of questions that he would be asking on the next exam. And so he, he worked on all those problems and all those things. And to his delight, when he got in to take the test, it was the exact same <laughs> test. He got 100% on that test. Well, the funny thing was is that most of the people in the class didn't realize it, and they failed the test. They failed because they didn't know that the test was already online. That was a mistake on his part, <laughs> on, on the professor's part that he left it up there. But he didn't negate it. Those who got 100 still got 100 on it. And those who failed still failed. Well, in case you didn't realize it, folks, when you step into eternity, there's going to be a test. There's going to be an exam that we're going to have to take. And I don't know exactly the language that God is going to use, but the Bible very clearly describes that there's a test that we're going to have to take. And the great thing is, is that God gives us the test questions, and he actually gives us the answers to those test questions, and it's a two-question test. Again, I don't know exactly how he's going to ask the questions, but it's going to be something like this. The first question is going to be, what did you do with my son Jesus? What did you do? With my son Jesus, that's going to be the very first question that we're going to be tested on. Revelation 20, verse 11 says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Now notice, I want you to notice here in these, in these verses here, that there are multiple books that there are in heaven, but there's also the book, the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. And so think about this. In heaven, everything that you've ever done, everything that you've ever said, everything that you've ever thought is actually put into books. There's a book of your life put in to, into heaven. Everything you did, everything you said, everything you thought. But as well, there is the book, the book of life. And your name gets put in that when you accept Jesus into your life. Now, here's the thing. I don't know about you, but my book has a lot of junk in it. <laughs> you know, I have a, probably a lot of books here because it's everything you've ever done, everything that you've ever said, everything that you didn't want to say, everything that you ever thought. And here's the thing. You don't want to be judged by what's in these books. Okay? 
You don't want to be judged by what's been put into these books, the things you've said, the things that you thought, the things that you have done have been written in these books. You don't want to be judged by these. You want to be judged by this book, the Lamb's Book of Life. Because here in this book, if you're in here, Jesus has wiped all of this away, and your, lamb, your name is put in here, and beside that, your name is stamped redeemed. Your life has been redeemed. That's what you want to be judged for. And I think this is really important for us to understand because when you step into heaven, what you want to, ha- what, what you want to happen is that when people start looking, and the angels or whoever's going to do this starts looking in these piles of books, and they're looking for Randy's name, and they're looking through all these books and say, I don't, I don't see Randy's name here. Maybe he's over here in the Lamb's Book of Life. And they look in this book, and, oh, here's Randy. Here's Randy Simpson. His name's right here. And it says, redeem. Let me tell you, folks, that's what you want to happen. On that day, when you stand in the great white throne of judgment, that's, the, that's what you want to take place in your life. Jesus said it this way. He said, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to underline that word new in those last verses. Because that word new in the original Greek language is the word gnosko. Gnosko, which means to know, not just up here, not just a knowledge of, but to know right here in your heart. To To personally know right here inside of you. And so the right answer to this test question is I know him personally. I know him personally. In other words, Jesus is the priority relationship in my life. And here's the thing, how you answer this question when you stand at that great white throne of judgment determines then your eternal destination. This is the heaven or hell question that we'll all face. And every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every single person will have to stand and answer this question. But the second question is different because the second question will only be asked if you've answered the first question correctly because the second question is about the second judgment that will occur. Now, you heard me right. There are two judgments. There's the great white throne of judgment, which is a heaven or a hell um, question. It it determines your eternity, your destination there. But the second question, there's a a second judgment that happens um, for us once that first question is determined. And the Bible describes that second judgment as the judgment seat of Christ or the bema seat of Christ, depending upon your translation of Scripture. And here is where um, the second question, it's going to be something like this. What did you do? With what I gave you. What did you actually do with what I gave you? In other words, Jesus is going to ask that question to you and to me as a secondary question. What did you do with what I gave you? And since you're going to be asked this question, again, I feel like I have the responsibility to try to help you pass this test before it actually happens. Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And then Jesus himself said in Matthew 16, verse 27, for the Son of Man is going to come to his Father glory with angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. 
If you're taking notes, underline that word reward. Because that word reward in the original Greek language is the word apodidomi, which means to pay you back. Now, isn't that interesting? Jesus wants to pay you back for the way you lived your life here on earth. That's, that's, to me, it kind of boggles my mind that the God of this universe actually wants to pay you back for then how you lived here on life, which means, folks, how you live your life here on this earth matters. Your life does matter. Not to get you into heaven. Remember, that's, that's, a, that's an issue of grace. You can't ever be good enough. You can't ever do enough good things you, just by going to church, all those types of things. That's not how you get into heaven. You get into heaven because of Jesus and Jesus alone, asking Jesus to come into your life. That's how we get into Lamb's book of life. But then once heaven is your destination, how you live your life then matters because we're going to stand before Jesus and Jesus is going to then want to reward us for what we have done. He's going to ask you the question, what have you done with what I have given you? And so the right answer to this test question is, I gave my life away. I gave my life away. In other words, I lived my life in such a way that I realized that my life wasn't just about me. Listen, folks, before Jesus, your life was all about finding Jesus. But after Jesus, your whole life is about making a difference. Now, let me show you how to do this. Look at this Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. It says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Now, look what the scripture is describing here. Because God has actually set and put eternity in your hearts, which means this. You can't help but think about it. You can't help to think about the afterlife. And I know so much of life wants to keep you from thinking about it. And we get busy and we get involved with what's going on. And it's like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about death. I don't want to think about the afterlife. But you can't help it because God's put eternity inside your heart. You may not be able to think about it for a year or two or five years or ten years, but it'll creep back in there and you'll start questioning again. And the reason is because God put um, eternity in our hearts. Unfortunately, too many of us don't know what to do with this. And so as a result, if you don't know what to do with this, you'll start ending, you'll, you'll live your life spontaneously. You'll live your life intuitively. You'll live your life just by happenstance. Kind of que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. That will be kind of how you live your life. But I want to suggest to you that we need to live our lives differently because we need to live our lives intentionally. Not spontaneously, not intuitively, not by happenstance, not by this case, sarah, sarah, whatever it will be, will be, but actually live our lives intentionally so that you can actually pass this test. And so that means, number one, I will intentionally give what I have. I will intentionally give what I have. Now, I'm not asking you to give what you don't have. As a matter of fact, you can't give what you don't have. And God's not going to hold you accountable for what you don't have, but God will hold you accountable for what you do have. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11, says, You will be made rich in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion, as through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And so think about this, because you have been given so much, so much. I mean, think about people worldwide. You live in the most prosperous nation in the world. You live in one of the best states in the best nation of this world. 
You have so much. You've been given so much. You have gifts. You have abilities. You have talents. You have financial resources. You have been given so much. And so here's kind of a, a couple of practical applications of this. First, then, if we're going to do this intentionally, become a percentage giver. Become a percentage giver. Now, I think this is a really huge point. If we're going to live our lives intentionally, this is such an enormous point because I think for so many of us, we tend to be led by our emotions or just by what's happening in a situation here. In other words, if I feel like it in the moment, then I'm going to give. Or if I have enough money left over at the end of the month, then I'll go ahead and give. And so at the end of the day, if you live that by your value system, if that's how you're living your life, at the end of the day, then you'll become just a tipper instead of a giver. Because you're tipping out of your emotions. You're tipping out of what's happening in this situation instead of intentionally giving. And so becoming a percentage giver means that I'm going to have to sit down. I'm going to have to have a conversation. I'm married, so I'm going to have to have a conversation with my wife. And we're going to have to make this a value in our household. And we're going to have to make a decision of what percentage are we actually going to give away. What comes into my life, what percentage of that are we actually going to give away. Now, the Bible uses the percentage of 10. 10% of everything that comes into our lives, that 10% we're actually to give that back into the storehouse, into the local church. That's how, that's how we're supposed to live our lives. But if you keep reading your Bible, it doesn't just stop at 10%. It actually goes all the way to 33%. And so 10% is not the dead end line. It's just a marker that at least you should be giving 10%. That should be the, your value system. But here's the thing. If you've never done this before, that may be a whoo, 10%. How do I do that? Because here's the reality. We live in a culture that wants you to live on 110%, Right? Live beyond what you have. Use it all up and then borrow some more. That's the culture in which we live in today. But God said, no, 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 no. Remember, you're a steward of these things, so live your life by percentages. And I'm just so grateful this was something that was put inside of me from an early age because I don't know about you, but to the core of me, I'm probably pretty selfish. I'm pretty self-consumed. You know what? There's always things that I want to do. There's always more things that I want to do. And so if, I, if this was not a value... If this wasn't something that Courtney and I talked about when we got married, if this wasn't something that we had set aside that every single month, no matter what happens, that we're giving this percentage away, if that wasn't, if that's not gonna be, if that wasn't a value for us, then I can tell you that I would never have something at the end of the month because I'll just use it up on me. I have all these things that I want to do. Come on, can I just be a little real here? And I think we're all the same here, but we need to be intentional about our giving. So if you've never done this before, sit down and begin to establish the value of it. If you've never become a percentage giver, just start someplace. Say, okay, I'm going to give 2% of what comes into my life. That's what I'm going to give away. And then start working yourself forward. I'm going to give, I'm going to give 7%. I'm going to give 10%. I'm going to give 20%. But start someplace and be, be intentional then about your giving. And then a second application of this is that in December, we do something around here. Um, here at One Shovel, where we take what we call is a, as a legacy offering. And we're doing that. I want you to put this on your, on your on notes. Or just write this date down, December 10th. This is something that we do every single year, is that we take up a legacy offering. And the reason why I'm telling you now, which is eight weeks in advance, is because I don't ever want you to feel pressured. I don't ever want to be in a situation where you feel compelled and where you feel like it's something that you have to and you feel guilty by, by some way or some other. That's why I want you to know ahead of time what we do. This is something that we just do annually every single year. 
that in the month of December that we take one special offering that's all about taking a giant step forward in what God has for us, the vision that God has for us as a church. So for instance, this is, a, this is an offering that's going to go above and beyond what we normally give. And so one of the things, uh, the vision that we have as a church is what we call 10 and 10, planting 10 churches in 10 years. And so this is so much of a value that throughout the year, whatever you give, 2% of everything that you give throughout the year goes into a savings account to, to be a part of planting churches in this greater Austin area. Because, folks, we here at One Chapel Lake Travis, we will plant churches. And so we're setting money aside, and it takes about $100,000 to plant a church. It's crazy how much it costs to plant a church. And all, if you think about all the stuff that you need to, in order to do it, it, just, it mounts up very, very quickly. And so we're putting aside already 2%. But with this legacy offering, it goes above and beyond. Because here's what you need to understand about the Austin area. There's only 4.7 churches per 10,000 people here in this Austin area. The national average is 12 churches per 10,000 people. We're way behind. And I don't think we can ever catch up because of all the people that keep on coming into this Austin area. We're just, we're just way behind. And so this is why this is a value. We want to be a part of, of planting churches in this greater Austin area. And so part of this legacy offering, offering will go to push that forward even to a greater capacity so we're closer to be able to launch another church. Also, 10% of what you give out through the year just simply goes to missions. And so we partner with about 30 different organizations here in the Austin area, as well as missionaries from all over the world. And 10% of what you give on Sundays goes directly to missionaries. But with this legacy offering, it helps us to come alongside and go above and beyond that. Because we, we collect different needs and things that these missionaries have, these organizations have, and the things that they can't do just in the normal thing. And so we're able to jump in and not just give them, you know, $100 a month or $500 a month. We're able to come and bring, give thousands of dollars to meet this need. Those of you who just went to the Mexico um, uh, missions trip, we, we were asking, we got your input because there, we wanted to ask the missionary, what are some needs that you saw down that they have? And by the way, one of the needs is that their, their tent, their crusade tent is falling apart. And so we will replace that tent. And we're able to do these things because we know that in this legacy offering, it's going to push us beyond that. And we're able just to put a whole big chunk of that. And that's just one organization that will be able to do that. As well, this year, we're going to do something special. Because right up the road here is, is West Cypress Hills Elementary School. And so what we're going to do is that part of this offering is going to go towards blessing every teacher in that school. We're going to financially give to every single teacher in that school. Um, we're going to do it as a gift, just as something to you, all of you know how hard teachers work and how underpaid and underappreciated they are. And so we're just going to bless their socks off. We're just going to come alongside and bless them. And so that's what this, this, this um, legacy offering is about, is to go above and beyond. I'm telling you eight weeks in advance, because I want you to sit and talk about it. I want you to pray about it and start setting money aside to go above and beyond what you would normally give on a Sunday and through a month to be able to give towards so that we can make these huge steps that we could never do throughout the year. And then here's a third application of this. On your chairs, you should have seen one of these little cards. Pick that up real quick, because on your chairs are these Acts of Kindness cards, and the purpose of these cards is for us to intentionally do acts 
of kindness, these small intentional things done for others through the love of God. And so I want you to take this this week and do some sort of act of kindness to give intentionally to somebody, um, some way, somehow. And I just kind of put a list of different things. If you've never done this before, here's just some kind of ideas of doing this. Deliver fresh baked cookies or pumpkin bread to a neighbor or a coworker, and leave your little card with and just say, I want to bless you. Thank you so much. I love you. Um, bring fresh, fresh flowers to someone, just randomly, just bring them fresh, fresh flowers and attach a little card to it. Offer to babysit for free, mow someone's yard for free, if it grows here in Texas, I don't know. <laughs> Pay for someone's coffee behind you in the drive through Oh, can I tell you this? We're going to put a, we're getting a coffee trailer to come here on the property, because there's no coffee here in Lake Travis. Why don't you give that BK if there's no coffee? Anyway, so that's a little, that's a little fun fun. <laughs> I'm excited about that one. <laughs> but you can do that with fast food. You know, if somebody behind you in line, you pay for, their, you pay for it and just leave a little card there for them. Send a note of encouragement to someone. Give baked goods or small gift to your postman or to the trash guy who comes and pick up. Just leave a little gift there or something and leave a card there with them. Um, leave a big tip for the server at your restaurant above and beyond. It better be a big one before you leave a card, all right? <laughs> Um, help somebody you know is struggling financially and just attach the card to them. They don't even know exactly that's you. Pay for someone's meal or dessert at a restaurant. Bake goods and take them to the police station or fire department or to the hospital. Um, take a box of donuts to a school or an office and just leave your, your card there. Um, cook a meal for a There's some examples there. But the bottom line is it's just, just practically, these are practical applications to, to do things intentionally about giving it to others and not just using it up on you. Did you hear me? Not just using it all up on you, but intentionally giving to others. And then a second way to be intentional about how I live is I will intentionally serve others. I will intentionally serve others. And some of you, you're new to this church, and you need to know that you have my permission just to take a breather. Just come to church, be refreshed, be filled. I don't want you to feel any pressure that you have to do anything. But others of you, you've been here for a while, and it's time for you to get off the bench and to step in and start serving. And um, Jesus said it this way in Matthew 20, verse 26. He said, whoever wants to become a great amongst you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. This is the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so this is the model that Jesus gave for us. That we need to not just live our lives unto ourselves, but we actually serve and come alongside of other people. And so how we do this at One Chapel, one of the predominant ways is we do it through what we call Team One. That's what these cards are in the back of your seat. And it simply says, put me in, coach. You said, I'm going to get off the bench and I'm going to start serving others. I'm not just going to come here for myself, so I'm going to actually um, serve others. And a great way to do it now with two services, you can come to our service just for yourself. And then the next service, you just serve. Or you can serve the first service and, and then come to the sec ser second service and just be filled up. But, but being a part, not just, not just spectating, but actually coming alongside. Serve. Leading a small group is another way to start serving. Say, I'm going to host a group in my house. and I'm going to host a group here at the church or down at the restaurant. Or getting involved in For the One Outreach, which is our dream center. And if you're not a part of that network already, we have um, just a database of people that have signed up that are already interested that we send out. Already, different things that are going on that For the One Outreach, our Dream Center, is already involved with. And you can always get updates. This is happening. This is going on like this past week. Down at the VFW, um, we hosted a, a, what is it, stand? 
Um, somebody help me. Do me anything else? Um, st stand Down for Vets, um, which was for a, a, an outreach for homeless vets um, that had haircuts and, and showers and um, food and clothing and stuff that was down, um, down in South, South Congress. And so uh, we may let people know about that. It's, uh, coming in November, there's a, a big thing that we're doing at one of the big prisons here in Texas. And so this network is just to try to keep you involved. You can't do everything, but you say, I'm going to serve some way. And, and when you get that, you can say, I'm going to serve here in this capacity. So if you haven't already signed up for that, just email one of us here at the church, and we'll get you locked in to that as well. What Logan said earlier, Falltober is next Sunday. It's a big, big thing, folks. This is a mighty thing to carry, and it does take all hands on deck. And so it's four hours long. And so I want you to have fun. I want you to bring your kids. I want you to bring your grandkids. I want you to have fun. But it's four hours long. So could you serve one hour of it and play for three hours? Or serve two hours and play for two hours? Whatever it is. Or, or come before and help set up. We have to transform this entire parking lot for thousands of people to come. We have the Ferris wheel coming back. We have bungee jumps coming. We have so many things that are happening that would be great. And, folks, we got a, we got a reputation to uphold. We won last year. And so you better, you better come prepared for that. And then here's a third way to be intentional about how I live is I will intentionally share Jesus. I will intentionally share Jesus. In other words, I'll actually look for opportunities to share with others what Jesus has done for me. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 says, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Let me make it very personal. You are Christ's ambassadors. And God is making his appeal through you. There is a reason why you work where you work. There's a reason why you live where you live. There's a reason why you're going to school where you go to school. Because God has set you there as his ambassadors. So always having this awareness where you can share with others of what Jesus has done for you. And so what do we do? Jesus said in Luke 4, 23, go out into the country and urge anyone you find to come in so that my house will be full. And in Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. When you boil it all down, folks, that's why we're here. That's why we are here. You're to intentionally share what Jesus has done for you with other people that God brings into your life. And so there's one more date I want you to write down. So write this date down on your, on your notes there, November 5th. November 5th at 2 o'clock at One Chapel, Austin, we're having an informational meeting about the mission trips that we're doing next summer. Yes, we're already working towards next summer's mission trips because they're a big deal. And we're going to China next summer, we're going to Mexico, and we're going to Indonesia. And so these are three planned mission trips next summer, and so I want you to be thinking about that. You need to be preparing for that, and so the informational meeting for that is November 5th at 2 o'clock at One Chapel, Austin. Remember, legacy is this. Something such as a tradition or problem that exists as a result of something that has happened in the past, something that someone has achieved that continues to exist after they stop working or they die. Listen, folks, you will leave a legacy. Some way, somehow, you're going to leave a legacy. The question is, what is it going to be? I love this passage in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, because the Apostle Paul was telling his mentee and his, his young pastor friend Timothy, he says this in chapter 6, verse 17, he says, command those who are rich. In other words, don't just suggest, don't just encourage, but actually command them. Command them. 
to those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command, there's that word again, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they'll lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. See, folks, there's more to this life than just this life. So don't you close your eyes here. I want to pray for you here as we finish up. And so, Father, I thank you here this morning for all that you have done and are doing and will, will do. God, we rejoice with those who are water baptized here today, that step of faith, that movement from out of death into what you have for them, into life, into the promises that you have in store for them. And Lord, we pray, God, that you would fill them up with your spirit, God, that you would take all the death parts of their lives and you would redeem it and replace it with life. So Holy Spirit, fill them up full with more of who you are, your gifts, your, the essence of who you are, your divine abilities, that they would rest upon each one of these who are water baptized today. God, we rejoice with them as we know heaven is rejoicing as well. And Lord, I pray for every one of us here in the sanctuary here this morning, that God, that we would live our lives intentionally, Lord, that we would truly be men and women who don't just use up everything that you've given on, on us, that we don't just consume it just for us, but that we are people who are intentionally giving, that we are people who are intentionally serving, that we are people who are intentionally sharing what Jesus has done. Maybe this this morning, even as we were talking through all these different things, maybe this morning that as we talked about these two test questions, maybe you've never really made the decision, that very first question, what did, what did you do with my son Jesus? Maybe you never really considered that. Maybe you've never really asked that, or maybe you just kind of assumed that it was okay, that everything was okay, but, but even as we discuss, maybe you're realizing today that you've really never made that personal decision. You may know about Jesus in your head, but you don't really know him in your heart. You don't know him personally. He's not the most important relationship in your life. But maybe right here, and right here in this moment, that this is something that you want to settle right here and right now. You know the question. You know it ahead of time. Maybe you want to go ahead and answer it right here. The Bible describes for us that if we'll confess with our mouth, that means out loud, something that I speak, not just something I think about. If we'll confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. In other words, that I recognize that Jesus is who he said he is, that he is the Son of God that he came here in flesh, that he was born of a virgin, and through his life, before all these miracles, showing us who God was, and then he died in our stead. He died in our place to redeem us, to take the penalty of all the mistakes, everything we've said, everything we've done, everything that we've thought, to erase those and to take our name out of all those other books in heaven that put us into the book, the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. If we confess that Jesus is Lord, and we believe then in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved.
And so right there where you are, you can make that confession. You can make that declaration and just ask Jesus to come into your life. And then maybe for some of the rest of you, maybe some of you here, you're realizing that you've been living your life just spontaneously, intuitively, just by happenstance, just kind of going through the motions, but you're realizing that you haven't been living your life intentionally. And right here, God's been poking on your heart, and he's been drawing you back, saying, come on, let's get back to living intentionally. And so maybe right there where you are, you need to make that own declaration. Okay, God, I'm going to start living my life intentionally. I'm not just going to live my life for myself. I'm going to live my life intentionally. And so, Father, I pray that for every single one of us, that here today, God, that this would be a, a moment in time where shift happens, where life happens, where movement happens, that you take us from where we are to where you want us to be. And so, God, I thank you for today. I thank you for these amazing men and women that you've brought here together. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm going to ask those who are part of our prayer team just to come forward here. We do this at the end of every service. And these men and women are here to pray with you no matter whatever's going through your life. These men and women are to come alongside of you. And they, they believe God interacts in our life. And so that's what they are here to do. And they'll just hang out, out here and just be around to pray with you no matter how long it takes. And so if you would, I want you to stand to your feet. And I just want to speak a blessing over you as we leave here this morning. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and now give you peace. Go in peace, everyone. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.